you got to collect role models and hunt for skill sets. And the the role models, man, that guy is such a great coach. What does he do? Listen to a podcast, listen to a show, buy the book, get the course. And so that you can practice the skill set that they've developed to be great. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'm joined on the line today by the one, the only, my good friend, Luca Halsevar. Now, I am so fired up about this show. If you don't know anything about Luca, he is the founder and co-owner of Vigor Ground in Ljubljana, Slovenia. I probably butchered that. And the owner of Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance in Seattle, Washington. So he owns two gyms. But man, this guy is everywhere. In case you haven't noticed, he's got a website, lucahosavar.com. He's on IG. He's on YouTube. He's got a podcast. But man, this guy is an absolute savage. When I am looking for motivation, when I'm looking for somebody to push me, Luca is my guy. And in this episode, we take a deep dive into coaching. I don't know if we've really done this before, but man, I really just wanted to get at the heart of why Luca got into coaching, how basketball influenced some of that, both, you know, whether it was being on the court, being around other high level athletes, to, hey, when you're transitioning out of professional sport, how he became a coach. And we talk about some of those things that, you know, people don't always like to talk about or they don't like to share. We talked about, you know, getting started and some of the awkward moments you have when you're a new coach. We talked about how he started to really grow, to find his own philosophy, how he's worked to pull and synthesize from all these different areas so that he can be a really well-rounded coach. So whether we're talking training, nutrition, mindset, recovery, Luca's done work in all of those spaces, and he's integrating it back into the work that he does with his clients and athletes. So awesome show. I was a little bit worried. The video looked a little bit sketch, but I think it's going to end up okay. All in all, this is an amazing episode. You guys know anytime I have Luca on, it's an amazing discussion, and you're going to walk away a better trainer or coach as a result. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll jump into this awesome new episode with Luca Hasavar. Did you know that in any given year, 40% of the trainers and coaches in our industry will leave our industry? Maybe that's why it seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, let me tell you how I can help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you. People who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 plus years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In the cert, you'll learn how to use my R7 system to create seamless, integrated and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. You'll learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym to help your clients squat, hinge, press, and pull with awesome technique. You'll learn my streamlined assessment process that will help you determine the exact movements your clients should be performing when they come in the gym. And last but not least, you'll learn how to create relationships and build rapport with virtually everyone you train so you can get the best possible results. 
Of course, there's a lot more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the cert only open twice per year for a limited time. But if you join my free insiders list now, you'll be able to save $200 when my next group opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, that's completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you'll join us when the next Complete Coach Certification launches. My guy, Luca. So excited to have you back on the show here today. You got the new program, Compound V, for people I haven't seen the boys, superhero theme today. So I want to start with your origin story, and I would love to hear just who you are, what you're all about, and what got you started in coaching. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep this one decently short. Let's put it that way. But <laughs> it, it was, I think if I zoomed out, when I look back, Foresight's 2020, it, it definitely was basketball for me because basketball was a love of my life for a long time, but even that I try to tell people, it's not like I picked up a basketball and I loved it, right? Like, I always right. go back. I always go back to Cal Newport's book that's called "So Good They Can't Ignore You," mm. where he talks about the passion hypotheses, right? Like, a passion hypothesis is pretty much that people think they're going to start doing something, and it's oh my god, I love this, and then <laughs> they they love it forever, and then they get more into it. But I, I was a scrawny kid, I was short, but you know, I come from the Balkans. Players are usually big in basketball, tall. Yeah. I wouldn't get picked. I was the youngest of three brothers. Again, like I wasn't good at basketball really i wouldn't say it's like <laughs> natural talent right so i really had a chip on my shoulder it was one of those things where the chip on my shoulder made me practice because i used to, I, when i was a kid, like really young a kid i'd go to these basketball camps my parents would send me to from a guy named Judas Dolch, who's like a slovenian basketball legend and same thing like I'd, I'd get beat all the time and nobody likes getting beat nobody likes sure. sucking and i think i had a lot of insecurities and that those insecurities make me made me work hard like really hard like almost obsessively not almost probably because <laughs> straight up <laughs> obsessively and the better i got because of course when you work hard you get better right yep. you get more competent and just like we know that competence is one of those self factors of self-determination theory like intrinsic motivation right and and so the better i got the the more passionate i got the more i work harder it kind of created this feedback loop and that's, I think that was the origin of me getting into basketball. Mm -hmm. And now obviously it's why not others? Cause I did play a lot of, uh, a lot of sports when I was younger, but I think that one just, I, I think that got more pissed off because I did get <laughs> bullied more right. and, and, and talk shit to more. So, and that kind of took, took on a life of its own and getting into actually in Europe, you play for the juniors of a pro team, right? It's not like yep. high, high school is where it's at. I got to try out for Olympia, which is the best team in the country. And this is like me at. 14, 13, 14 years old and, and started training there. And then I would say coaches had just a huge influence. This is the foresight 2020. Like coaches had a huge influence on my life. When I was with Olympia, I mean, we trained at a level that today would probably be illegal with, with, <laughs> with, how, thing, with how things are and every, everybody's, oh my God, don't do too, too much and too hard. I trained like an Olympian basically when, yep. and got pushed. And many times we hated the coach. But when I look back, it was like, man, that, that dude made us resilient, made us play together, work together, made us overcome adversity, uh, made us realize that man, you, you can accomplish these things that sometimes you think are impossible. Yeah. And, and so that was the coach of uh, of that generation for me. Uh, his name was Tomas Jontas. And then 
I moved on to a team called Yanchev, who was like a startup team. Because pretty much the team I played for, imagine like every NBA player that's played in that's playing NBA from Slovenia, it came through that system essentially, right? Yeah. So for me, making the 12 was like the hardest work of all time, let yeah. alone to try to start make the starting five. So I went to Yanchev. We were like this startup team, almost that movie the with Dispensables or whatever it was. You remember? Oh, that? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The replaceables. The replacables. The replaceables. Like, I mean, no that's shit. it. Yes. No shit. It was like the team was made of some talent knuckleheads, like hard workers, and we went. We ended up going. We had to start with Division Two, made it to Division One next year, and then went up going to uh, three Final Fours in four years. It was like a wow. Cinderella story, kind of make a movie about it type of thing, and. Our coach there was not as tactical, as good strategically, but he was incredible with this, with the mind and the heart. And that guy did so much for me as far as my confidence and everything else. But also, that's when I played there. That, those were my knucklehead years. I was, I was in crime. <laughs> I was selling drugs. I was doing a lot of those things. And yeah. he was such a big factor in, in me eventually making the call to go to college in the U.S. to get away from that but continue to you know, pursue basketball. And when I look back, I mean, these were truly like these figures in my life that guided me. And obviously, like my, my, my dad was a, a huge role model father figure. But my dad, when we moved back from England when I was 11, kind of right when the war started in, in Yugoslavia, he stayed in England to try to make a better life for us. We had to come back because he got let go. The economy was bad. And, and really, coaches would be on a day-to-day basis, the, the kind of the, 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 the male father figures that, that guided me. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that later on too, it's, it's one of the reasons I got into coaching because it did, it'll sound like a little corny-ish and stuff, but man, I was in some pretty shitty stuff, doing some pretty bad stuff. And I, yeah. I remember the conversation when he said, Hey, I know what you're doing. And there's only two paths here. One path that he's nowhere good. I don't know where, but it's nowhere good. And he's, you're the hardest working player I've ever coached in my life. You're psychotic to a degree. <laughs> and, and, and if you take that and, and you go this direction, you can do some incredible things. And he knew what would hurt me, right? So he knew that if he benched me, because what would start happening, I'm starting to come to late to practice a little bit because I'm doing drops throughout the city and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. And that hurt me more than anything, me not playing. Yeah. That was, and he knew how to pull those strings. Okay, you shall see. And, it's, yeah. and, it, and it did. He made the moves that he knew that would, I would respond to. And it was like, okay, I'm not going to be late. I'm going to be back to being early again, staying late, working the hardest, the whole shebang. And it truly was like one of the decisions. I mean, there's a number of factors of why I decided to go to the U.S., but that was certainly one of them. And underlying, so there, there's always an underlying story, right? And I really have to tell this because I, I don't think I've told it enough, but my mom opened up a gym when I was 13 years old. And she, we came back from, so from England. She had to basically essentially do two jobs. She worked at the bank half the day. The other half the day, she worked at the gym that her and her friend opened. So her friend would do the morning shift. She'd do the afternoon shift. And in that gym was in the top of this building called Partizan, which are these physical education buildings in Slovenia. It's about 15, eh, 1,500 square feet, maybe 2,000. Techno gym equipment. I mean, squat racks, dumbbells, all, the whole yeah, thing, sure. right? And I never really – I've trained hard, but I've never done strength training. And I was really kind of fortunate, to be honest, because one of the top powerlifters in the country is weight class trained out of there because it was close for him. It was just very yeah. convenient. And at the bottom of the building, there was a famous gymnastics gym with two gymnasts that are like absolutely world-class, one of them being Aliash Pegan. So he was the, the straddle five-time world champion, Olympic. We're talking wow. about the best of the best in the world. 
Yeah. Now they they mostly train. It was this little shitty gym where, <laughs> where they basically were training, but they'd come up here and there and do strength training from with weights and stuff like that. So those folks showed me the game. Yeah. How to bench, how to deadlift, how to, and I didn't even know how good I had it, but I was definitely enamored too with some of the guys because I was like, wow, man, like these guys are like jacked and they're like, this guy's the best in the world. So I, I think I took that in, but then I, and I started training. I started strength training at 13. Yep. Going on 14. And the thing is that scrawny kid now put on some muscle. Now I could touch the backboard. I'm like, my first step's faster. You get <laughs> yep. the feedback, you get the feedback loop, right? And then yep. a year and a half later, now it's really hard to guard me because I'm just stronger than guys, right? Yeah. And so I can bully them going into the lane. My step back is getting – like all the stuff that, that you want in because that's all I wanted, right? I want to be a better ball player. I want to be able to dunk it. Right. And so that's how I got enamored by sports performance and strength training, right? Because I got the results like this shit works. And <laughs> then I started studying everything. I mean, you couldn't get me – when in school we had to – in Europe, it's like you have to read Dostoevsky's Waiting for Godot and write an essay. And you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. I don't want right. to read. But then it was like, oh, I get to read about training. Oh, yeah. You know, so by the time I was like 15, which cool story too, later on, like when I started reading Teenage, and that's how I found out about you and Eric Cressy, Neanderthal yes. no more. But I'm, I mean, yes. I would annihilate, I mean, I mean, obsessively every night, three, four hours reading. I'd have all the stuff for Verkoshansky. Zatsyorsky, Tudor Bapa, Mel Sif, everything. A speed yeah. trap from Charlie Francis. Elite FTS, read through everything. T-Nation, read through everything. And not only that, like, I'd start practicing. I buy, do dumb shit. Get Air Alert. I don't know if you remember the Air Alert program. <laughs> or the soul, the Air Souls for vertical jump. Yeah. Did it all. But really what it was is, like, I was getting so into this stuff. Now, at that point in time, if you ask me, like, hey, do you care about being a coach or sports performance coach or any of that stuff? I'd say no, like my dream's to play in the NBA. Right. But to go back to the book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, you know, where Calvin Hooper also talks about another thing, and it's called Deliberate Practice and Career Capital. So when I look back and I go to college, in college, I'm, I'm ah, let me take business management, whatever, I'm going to play ball. But then I did so many of the electives to basically get a minor in exercise science and kinesiology because I was so geeked out about the body and anatomy and performance and everything else. So I'm building, since I was 13, deliberate practice in the field of sports performance, training, yeah. strength training, coaching. And another kind of, I would say, lucky, that's the only thing I can call it, lucky, fortunate, was when I was about 16, 17, I think it was closer to 17 years old, my coach Boris that I said was a big influence on me, that's in the second team, he knew this guy named Serjan Djordjevic, hard name to say, but he was, the, <laughs> I mean, el, el, probably one of the most elite track coaches in Eastern Europe. He trained Marilyn Adi her last six, seven years of her career. Brigitte Bukovic, who's Olympic silver medalist in 92 on the hurdles. And I, I told Boris, I was like, look, man, I'll do anything. I want to dunk it. I want to get faster, this, that, the other. So he goes to Serjan and goes, look, I got this kid. He's kind of nuts. You know, <laughs> can, you know, can he come train? And so he says, yeah, man. He's think, he thinks there's no way. Yeah, let him come at 6 a.m. before school. Thinking there's no way I'm showing up. There there I am. My ass is there three days a week. And he was at the beginning annoyed at it. Oh, sure. But soon he was like, man, this kid works his ass off, asks questions. He's trying to figure everything out. And by the way, I'm there in the morning training with Brigitte Bukovic. We're talking top three in the world for probably a decade. 
and 110 yeah. hurdles. Yeah. And she's showing me foot fire drills and like 10% of your body weight on the sled and like acceleration drills. And I spent a year, I'm going to say a year and a half training track and field with absolutely elite, I would say athletes and yeah. one of the most elite coaches, right? Um, yeah. And I mean, he was doing like EKG stuff on, on muscles before anybody was ever doing that stuff. So I, I had a, a bit of a back injury already back then. I was like the test kind of test money, man. Yeah. I was so, learning so much and not just learning everything in practice. I was looking at it, seeing it, boom, end of practice. I go to school. I mean, I was a knucklehead if I went to school. So <laughs> sometimes I go train some more, but it was, so th I say this to say there was this kind of immersion into that world for me yeah. and that deliberate practice was really being built up. And once I got done to kind of fast forward, cause I ended up going through college. My last two years, I had a full ride. I ended up going play pro. Uh, my first year was in Ukraine, and then it was Slovenia. I played NBA Summer Pro League. I never made it to the NBA, NBA, and whatnot, but I pl played on a pretty high level, and it was a very difficult decision for me to call it quits. But I can tell you, here's, I, I can tell you that one of the reasons why I, I was like, man, I didn't want to be good in basketball. I was like, man, and it's a rough life, by the way. It's not like yeah. what you see always, and because you train a lot of guys that, have played in the league and played in Europe. And then you got the highest levels in Europe. And I played for Himmick, which is that, that year won the ULEP Cup. And then you got the lower levels. You got all over the place. And sometimes you don't get paid. Like I, I've yeah. had periods where I was not paid for five, six months and I'm doing two a days. And that's yeah. actually when I started training people in between. Was mm -hmm. I, I played for a team called Triglo. I had to drive 45 minutes hour to Kran, train. I'd get my lift session in. I'd drive back home to Ljubljana. And then I'd be coaching people like for, in the yeah. gym and in, in Tivoli Park and then go back and do it again. It was wild. And I was training people for five euros per session. I mean, that's basically free, right? Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and, but that's, but here's the thing, right? I, I don't want to knock it either because it's when I fell in love with coaching. The feeling that I was getting from training people was, I mean, I, there was something that was non-monetary. And by the way, at that point in time in Slovenia, you couldn't even look at a trainer and say that guy's killing it. <laughs> Actually, at, right. So we started Vigor there, and I might be a little bit off here, but about 17 and a half years ago. So the, the gym Vigor. And at that point in time, there was you, there was no personal trainers full-time making money. So you were wow. either a strength coach for a sports team or an organization, or a PE, or that was like personal training was a side hobby. Like in the whole yeah. country, we created Vigor Ground in Slovenia was the first coaching membership gym ever wow. like we created yeah. that genre essentially but i say that to say i certainly didn't and i don't think anybody today gets into it just because it's, i'm going to become filthy rich but right. and the thing is now you can make significantly better money and Absolutely. yes you can't but back then obviously that was not the reason i did it it was the feeling yeah. that it gave me because like when i could coach people and see them get better and people would say man thank you that's wow that's the best session i had i feel amazing i see that shit was addictive to me and yeah. probably too, there was a period of my life where I, I felt like I took the, I mean, when you're in a crime game, a drug game, you don't go home and look at yourself in the mirror, at least not in a subconscious way and go, yeah, like the, this is really fulfilling because I'm helping people out. So right. I, I wanted to kind of tip the scales of karma. So that, that I share these stories to share that like those points led me to coaching. And then when yeah. I when I knew I made the decision, I was like, okay, cool, I'm I'm, I'm done with ball, which was very different. I mean, I had a, yeah. an identity crisis 
And it was pretty bad. But it was like fitness and coaching actually kind of pulled me out of that identity crisis. And I made a true decision even before before I moved to the U.S. Because I moved about nine months after we started at gym, something like that. Yeah. And, and that was tough because it was my baby and I started it. And like, bam, I got to go again. And I, I come to America and I'm at LA Fitness Training. I'm doing 100-hour weeks in, in big box gym and the whole shebang. But I did make a decision. And I know people have heard of that, like the in Latin decision the deceased means to cut, to cut yep. any other option. And I'm a very much so, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be like phenomenal at it. And, and like I said, I, in basketball, I was like, man, I have poured my heart and soul into this. Could I have been better? Yeah, but like my, the, I would say the limits of the ceiling of my potential and genetic potential and everything else was not that much higher yeah, uh, yeah. Of, of, of where I was. And I, yeah. I just could not stand going, oh, I'm going to go through life being good at this thing or pretty good. I mean, and look, compared to the, the average person, I mean, I made it far. I was a good player. I, Absolutely. I, made it tonight. I was, I, I would always say I was better streetball player than I was a, a five on five player. Yeah. I was, I was legendary in the streets. I made it to Nike Battlegrounds finals twice. I mean, I can hoop one on one like crazy, but I, I was like, I don't want to be good at this thing. I want to be the best at something in the world and like coaching. I got that feeling from coaching as far as I can do this for forever. I can make this my career. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, awesome answer. Okay, take us into the early days of Luca as a coach. Because here's one thing that I really want to focus on kind of going forward with this show. Everybody that, a lot of the young people that listen to this show see the finished product, right? Mm -hmm. So they see Luca 20 plus years in the game and you're crushing it and you're confident and you know how to coach, you know how to write programs. You can pick up on somebody's little like nuances and how they're feeling the second they walk in the door. But talk to us about early days, Luca just getting the feet wet, just getting in the game. What Do you remember what it felt like to be a young coach or like to be, I don't know, were you ever like awkward or like insecure about your ability to coach and work with people? I'll, I'll tell a little story. And I think, look, it's very, the reason why I mentioned that book and the books that I will mention is not just because they hide lessons that I feel are very important, right? Yep. When I say deliberate practice and career capital, right? Sometimes somebody will say something like, oh, you're a natural at it. But Look, let me explain this. I, when I was seven, we moved to London. I actually thought that we were going on a vacation. Oh, wow. And then two, week, two weeks later, my dad drops me off to school and said, hey, I'm going to pick you up at 3.30. You know, this is English school, right? Yeah. I, this is what I know how to say, by the way. My name is Luca. I could point at stuff like, oh, toilet. I'm in English school. Wow. And I sit down. I could, This is, we have these like little traumatic memories and shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do what? And I sit down and the teacher's talking about me because she's saying my name, but I don't know what she's saying. I'm sitting next to a person. We start writing an essay. I know kind of how to write a little bit of English, but I'm just copying everything from the person next to me. I don't know what to do. The person's like, ah, oh, get away. First day, I get three fights. Uh, <laughs> I mean, wow. because, yeah, because it's like people are making fun of me. I know how to speak English. And yeah. I was like, boom. Oh. And man, it was, I had to adjust. I had to, I had to like really quickly adjust the stuff. Yeah. And within three months, I'm speaking English, right? And after that first, and that first year, I was not at the same school as my brother, so I'm like completely sold. Ooh, yeah. So I've been many, many. So we lived there for four years. I kind of become you're there somewhere for four years. You feel like that's your home. Sure. You know, boom, and then we have to go back to Slovenia. This is literally like war starts. This is right after. I mean, unfortunately, the, the war in Slovenia was very short. But the effects of, I would say, the Balkan War, obviously, where we had the, the hyperinflation, insanity, and all that stuff. So we we come back. 
but now I'm a, I'm a foreigner again in my own country, right? I get made fun yeah. of because now I'm from England. So again, I have to adjust. I'm always getting in fights and stuff. My, my pops is not coming back with us. So I'm like, this is kind of the years where I start becoming a knucklehead. But I got really good at adjusting, at reading people, at having to be a chameleon in a certain yeah. sense. And so I looked back at that and I was like, man, so I was developing certain skills doing that. Now, then I'm, now I'm playing basketball and in basketball, guess what? Like you have to, especially as you're developing to, I ended up becoming team captain later on, leadership, being an example, communicating with your team. I was a very also angry kid. So I had a lot of temper tantrum explosions and stuff like that, that again, yeah. my, co my coach helped me with. And so I'm developing all these skills. So by the time I do my first coaching session, and by the way, so th this is my brother, Matei, who we really well, right? Yeah. He was, we were doing all this kettlebell training, like kettlebell training before people knew about kettlebells, right? Yeah. And this guy, Greg Sobachan, who was a, a, a pro a handball player, showed us the stuff. And I got hooked when I started yep. studying everything Pavel. And my brother was training three guys that were like former soccer guys, some of his friends. And he was like, look, man, I, I can't really train him anymore. You want to train him? And I was like, sure. And I did a first session. It was all kettlebell, bodyweight type stuff. And they went to him and said, hey, look, I don't know what the deal is, but he's got it. There's something yeah. about him when it comes to he's got the thing. Like he coaches yeah. you well, but then he talks shit, but then he encourages you. <laughs> he, yeah. he gets the most out of you. And, and I really enjoyed it. If you're enjoying today's podcast and not already subscribed to the Robertson Training Systems newsletter, what are you waiting for? When you sign up, you'll get immediate access to materials that will help you write better programs, motivate people outside of the gym, and improve how your clients move and feel. Plus, the RTS newsletter is the only place where I announce up-and-coming events like virtual summits, live seminars, and my program design mentorship. And last but not least, I hate spam as much as you do, so I will only email you when I've got something valuable to deliver, something that will make you a better athlete, trainer, or coach. So if you're not already subscribed, head over to robertsontrainingsystems.com and register for our newsletter right now, today. Now, that's enough for me. Let's get back into this week's episode. That made me realize when they were telling my brother, like, man, I don't know if he's been practicing this or like where this is coming from, but I think it was accumulation of a lot of these skill sets that I built over time, being really into obviously training and sports performance. I built that deliberate practice up. It excited me being put in a lot of these crazy situations because I went, my first two years in, in junior college was upstate New York. And then I went to Southern Virginia. I mean, I got wild stories from all those places. And, and but the, again, what it did is it really helped me get good with people, read people, learn about people. And a lot of times, honestly, be silent. I know that it seems I'm not a person that stays quiet a lot, but in those situations, I actually would be very, like I would be by myself and I'd observe, I was very observant because I was also in a lot of situations, dangerous situations. And I was saying my teenagers, and I think it just, I build up a skill set. And the lesson there before I kind of talk a little bit more about the first years of coaching is you got, listen, when you break down anything, or should I say any career path, there's a, there's certain skill sets that you have to be phenomenal and great. Yeah. If you look at coaching, we know communication is one of them. Being a great problem solver, being a great question, listener and asking great questions, reading body language. Now, those are skills that you have to practice. I just happen to have practiced a lot of those skills in another life, another world. 
that ended up transferring over to coaching exceptionally well. So I definitely started with a little bit more confidence in that area. But I will say once I started, when I came to the U.S. and training people in a big box gym, and it was like one-on-one and a 30-minute model and an hour model and all these kind of like constructs that you had to be in. And back then, too, it was like they'd give you these scripts for sales, and I was like, this is dumb. I kind of do my own thing. (laughs) I do my own thing, and I, I ended up being the most successful coach and salesperson there. But the 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 I, it was awkward yeah. and but what I did and this is by anybody that's listening I don't know if you work at a big box gym this doesn't matter the thing that I would do is get to know people right and big box gyms I remember that LA, LA Fitness at that point in time like eleven thousand members it's probably still something wow. like that now by the way nowhere near that many showed up let's say that two thousand yeah. probably showed up on a consistent basis but I would go around and connect with people. And not try to do the whole, let me show you. It just be like, hey, man, how are you working today on this? What's your name? Mike. Okay, Luca. Hey, nothing else. But the next time it comes in, hey, Mike, you had legs yesterday. Are you doing upper today? Yeah, I'm doing shoulder. Okay, awesome, man. And now I built some rapport. Yeah. Now when I come through and be like, see him like doing this on his shoulder. <laughs> and, and I'm like, hey, what's up? What's up, Mike? Oh, man, I've been having this shoulder issue. Oh, you mind, you mind if I give you some feedback on that, that overhead press? Yeah, for sure. Then I'd give them a feedback. I'd give them a drill. Again, not pitch them anything, but they, oh man, that feels better. Actually, that's a good idea. Boom, and I'm moving forward. But now he's, man, that guy knows his shit. But the thing is, I would be doing that like throughout the day with tens and tens of people throughout the week, hundreds of people. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's like people are coming in. Hey, Mary, you doing a class, cardio class? Awesome. And the thing is, now all of a sudden, I go to a person that I build a lot of rapport with and go, hey, my 6.30 cancel. They actually are paying for your session. Do you want to take a session with me real quick, a 30-minute session? Yeah. What are you working on today? I'll be like, back. All right, cool. Let's do a back workout. All right, I put them through a back workout. They're just like, my God, this is the best back workout <laughs> I've ever done. That doesn't hurt. You coach the hell out of me. Then yeah. they go like, how much would it be to get XYZ sessions with you? Done deal. So Again, it comes back to, we didn't talk about the X's and O's of training, which, you know, again, and you know me, man, I'm as geeky as it gets when it comes to training stuff, but it was all about the communication part. And that was uncomfortable for me. For example, sales were, sales were definitely uncomfortable for me. And I think sales were uncomfortable for me more so too, because of my relationship with money. I grew up in socialism. So asking for certain amounts of money that to me, and I just mentioned I was charging five euros and eventually 10 euros in Slovenia for training yeah. sessions, right? And now you're in America. And I mean, this is a long time ago, but still you're, I don't know, your one-on-ones are 70 or 60 bucks, 70 bucks. And I was, you're selling multi-thousand dollar packages for, yeah. for the year. And it was like, I had to really overcome that. And by the way, I started reading everything from Zig Ziglar books and sales stuff and really trying to kind of rewire my brain. Because I was like, man, I can't, I can't suck at this. I, I quickly realized. And by the way, in LA fitness, is like everything is. I, I could talk shit about it, but the truth is like spending a lot of time doing sales, coaching people, figuring out all the managerial stuff there helped because there was always quotas. This is where you hit your bonus. I became a weekend manager for about five to six months. They, they shipped me off to another LA fitness because I was doing well and it took me, they, they put me somewhere that it sucked, which is horrible, federal way. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to drive and this is what they do. And then they'll be like, once you hit this number, you can come back here. And if they give you this impossible number, like yeah. and I hit it because I was so pissed off, but <laughs> because I really wanted to come back to rent it. But the, it, it was, what it did is it did push me. 
Because yeah. I was like, man, I don't want to drive the federal way every day. This place is horrible. So I like pushed like crazy to hit this number and did more sales appointments, more talks to people, studied sales more, got more no's. But again, what was I doing? I was building skill sets through deliberate practice every day, right? And, yep. and I think this is an important thing about, I can give you another 10 different scenarios of being very uncomfortable. First time training group, like larger groups. And you're like, Jesus Christ. But I, I would, the way that I would always deal with that, the way that I still deal with it now is like, like obsessive preparation. Yeah, right? that's great advice. And yeah. I remember when I started my first boot camp, when I, it was my first garage gym here, which is now 15 plus years ago. And basically, I, the whole week, I would like outline, okay, if there's this many people that show up, because I did two, I launched it with two weeks free. Everybody I knew, and I didn't know how many people show up. And it was like, there was 18 people that showed up, but I was prepping like, okay, for if it's 20 something, what if it's 10, like for day, for days. And then day one, by the way, this was like a 530 class. I'm there at like 4.45, you know, tripping <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And basically, it's I'm thinking and visualizing everything through. And probably the first three months, I'm there like excessively early. And then once I was like, oh, actually, this is going good. I prepped for a good. Now I started being more comfortable with it, right? Yeah. But every single thing, even to this day, sometimes I had a like one time, we, we would do like we want to have off-season NFL stuff. And I, I have three, four, five guys in off-season but then the closer it gets to, for instance, OTAs, other people fly into town. And then the guys are like, oh, man, train with this guy, Luca. He does this mobility. I would do like these mobility Fridays or Saturdays, right? Yep. And then one time is we had 11 guys come through, right? Because yeah. it was just like, hey, can my buddy come? Can my buddy come? Can my buddy come? So I'm like, I knew there was going to be more people. Didn't know how many more. Man, I am orchestrating this thing, meaning like I'm planning exactly what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it days ahead, writing it all out, running it through my head, timing, like how much long do we do this? How yeah. long do we do this? So by the time it, it's there, I'm still might sometimes be a little bit nervous, but I've already prepped it and I feel very confident, right? Because yep. the more that you prepare, the more confident you be, like you put the timing. Presentations, even though like I've done hundreds of presentations now, like I got a nutrition seminar here yeah. on, on Saturday at Vigor, so I started building the Prezo this weekend. And I do sticky notes and I run it through because I want the shit to be fired. So yeah. I'm going to prepare. And it doesn't, I had this formula that I talk about, right? Like how do you build confidence? Uh, and it's two to three different things. I, I think it's competence, right? So if, if you're competent, the more competent you become at the thing, the more confident you'll be. Yep. Preparation. Because again, the more you prepare, the more confident you'll be. And encourage. You got to yeah. lean into the... You got to lean into the hard thing. There's just no way around that shit. But if you have competence, preparation, you have you have courage to lean into st hard stuff, your confidence will continue to grow. Yeah. And what I what I see a lack of these days is like not enough deliberate practice, not enough preparation. And what you can get into trouble of doing, by the way, is this. And is a great. Do you know Craig Weller? Oh yeah. Yeah. So th this is actually a, a story from Craig Weller and. I can't remember where, I think we might've been at 212 when you told this story, but I, I heard him write about it too. And you talked about surfing, right? Cause you got a lot of coaches that are like, I've been doing this for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, Craig Weller was surfing for many years and he got okay, but he was okay at it. Kind of was like, I don't know how I'm not getting better. And then he went to surf camp for a week. And in surf camp, he basically was like, I improved 10 times more in seven days than I did in seven years because I was doing dumb stuff, 
and I was just practicing the wrong thing. So I got really good yeah. at the wrong thing. I got really good. And so to me, for example, hey, I've been doing personal training for XYZ amount of time, but it might be like you're not a good communicator or you, or you cut into people's sentences. You talk more than you listen. And you kept doing that for seven years, and now you're really good at the shitty things. I, and I think that's really that's why it's important to have – I think we talked about this before. You got to collect role models and hunt for skill yep. sets. And the role models, man, that guy's such a great coach. What does he do? And look, by the way, ask them. Listen to a podcast. Listen to a show. Buy the book. Get the course. And so that you can practice the skill set that they've developed to be great. So you're now like, oh, okay, they're great. Right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's like a very important factor. And hopefully that answer the question in a little bit more lengthier manner. But, uh, yeah. uh, but you know, that, that, gives you, that gives people value, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing I really want to hear from you, and I feel like I kind of know this, but I would love to hear it like your words, your mouth. I love to know about people's philosophy and how they cultivated their philosophy. So I would love to hear just give us the elevator pitch. Obviously, you can tease it out and extend it out for us. But like somebody new comes to you and you're like, they're like, Luca, I've heard great things and your gym is awesome. And man, I want to go get an acai bowl at Fitbar when I'm done. But what makes you different? How is Vigor different from everybody else? Hit me with that. Hmm. I'll make me think a little bit. I mean, our, listen, this is, and this will sound corny, but if you go to the website, there's a tagline on there, right? Yeah. And I, I truly, I, by the way, I truly do believe in this so much. It took me a really long time to figure this out. Um, even just through, I did a lot of Donald Miller stuff, which is the, he, he does a lot of marketing made simple and, and story brand yeah. and behind that. But it says, we help our clients change their bodies so they can change the stories to their life. And yeah. at the end of the day, by the way, any person that, and here's why the, how wide the audience of that we train is crazy, right? It'll be the most elite athletes, but then it'll be a person with a serious injury plates in his spine. Then it'll be a teacher. Then it'll be a 55 year old guy that wants to get back to semi-pro soccer. Then there's a 24 year old kid that wants to get jacked. I mean, <laughs> yeah, hundred, no, I know. hundred examples, right? Yeah. But all, all that every one of them is doing, right? They're trying to change their body and then underlyingly also their obviously their health, fitness, performance, so they can change the story. And their story might be, you know, I don't look good, I'm not confident, I don't have great energy, like I'm not a role model for my kids. Man, they think I'm washed out, but I still got three years in the league. I, they tell me that I can't get a scholarship. I and mean, that's my story, right? Like I can't get a scholarship in college. I can't be pro, right? And you're trying to change that story, right? And again, there's a lot of different stories, but the body is this, I think, because we're in fitness, and I hope that everybody believes that, like, you got this one flesh vehicle that takes us through life on this, on this meteor that's flying through <laughs> fucking space, right? And it's, this is our vessel of expression of, of who we are. And I think it's, body and mind can't be disconnected. So, sure. body, but really train people mentally. And I think that what we do exceptionally well is bring the puzzle pieces together. And like, I, I remember this is a while ago. I never had a niche, right? I was yep. like, this guy's the, this guy's the, that guy. People go, Hey, what are you? And I could never really truly answer the question. I'm like, man, I'm a coach, yeah. right? And on one show, and I can't remember which show I was on. I said, look, here's, here's what I believe that I do exceptionally well. 
like I'll go and study speed from the best people on the planet. I'll never be as good at that thing as they are. But let's say that like 75, 80%. Yeah. Because I'm going to, I'm going to go through every course. I'm going to go to internships. I'm going to go hands on. I'm going to do the thing. Then I'm going to go to the nutrition realm and do PN level one, level two, do this or do that, sir. Hang out with JB, who thankfully is a, a close friend <laughs> <Yeah>. of mine. <laughs> right. And man, I'm going to, I'm going to learn as much as I can. Right. Then I'm going to go here and t- uh, learn about hypertrophy and building muscle. And then I'm going to go here and learn about sports. And then I'm going to go to Alex Natera and learn about isometrics and do every one of his courses. And we're going to fly him out to Slovenia. And like, I mean, obsessive, obviously. Right. Yeah. But I'll never be, oh, I'm going to learn about glute training. What's the best to build big booties? from a Brett Contreras and this guy and that guy, right? And I'll never be 100% of their knowledge or experience, but I'm going to get a f- really far up there. Yep. But what I'm the best at is putting all those puzzle pieces together. And, yes. yeah. and the thing is like when I also realized that there's no one human being, when I see people, I've now coached, I mean, real number, by the way, like over 4,000 people in some form or another, groups, teams, this, that, the other, right? And that's in person. Online is a whole other story, but now one person would go like, Luca, I just want to get as jacked as fucking humanly possible. I'd be like, oh, cool. <laughs> so you want to be as jacked as possible. You don't give a fuck about your mobility is good. Your fitness is good. Well, no, no I also want to be strong and I want to move on. I want my back to hurt. And I want, I, 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 right. <laughs> so it's, it's a, the, our body is a culmination, right? Like of, a lot of different things. We, we look at lifestyle, we look at sleep, we look at stress, we look at nutrition, we look at supplementation. Then, by the way, I, I would say I always give homage to you. For me, the filter I look at training through is R7 because to me, that's kind of like the lens of, hey, is this a great workout? And I know everybody's heard about R7, but it's okay, release. Are we doing resets? Are we doing soft tissue work? Are we doing, I believe this is, I think, something that I've been riffing on for a decade now, right? No matter who I train, you're going to do some explosive stuff. You're going to build yeah. elasticity, power, explosiveness. Yeah. So that's the R in the reactive. And then you got your resilience, which I really like the idea of, I think it was, I heard this from Cosgrove way long ago. This I split that up into strength training and resi- uh, resistance training, right? So strength training to me is like actually neural drive, like the lower yeah. rep ranges. Let's get stronger. Resistance training is like build muscle, right? Hypertrophy and everything else kind of falls under that bucket. Then we got our conditioning. And again, like all of those matter. Yeah, now, absolutely. Now, it's a piece of the pie. That's what I loved about R7, right? That I would always explain it and go, I know Mike Ball Cole, Cole says fill empty buckets. I kind of like that idea, but I literally, but it's, I, I look at fill empty buckets and also give people what they want. If a person comes in, I don't know. So let's take one extreme. I got an NFL player. And we might do some VVT tests and be like, hey, like your speed strength sucks, right? Like, there's a big, there's a big opportunity for you here. Uh, you're not really good at absorbing force. And now this wall too, I mean, we, in Slovenia, we do a ton of these tests, but we, you have valves so you can force plates are telling you, I mean, right now, actually right there on the table, I got one, a new, one uh, new offensive lineman that just came in and just brought me the reports. And I'm looking at the reports and I read the reports and I'm like, oh, okay, I know what we need to work on. He doesn't, yeah. right? I'm like, oh man, okay, cool, we gotta work on this, right? So then when I'm doing a training session, like this is improving those numbers that you're below the, the average in the NFL, we're gonna bring that up. So we're gonna keep your strengths high. So we're gonna do less of that because you're already strong, right? But hey, your hamstrings are shit, right? Because I see <laughs> here. So we're gonna work on that, right? We're gonna fill these different buckets. now. It might also be a lot of the guys that I see the aerobic capacity shit. So then I explain yeah. that. Listen, guys, you're going to come in for two, three days of zone two work, but 
it's going to be more specific in movement patterns and whatnot. Like, here's what we're going to do. So it gives me, like, I have this piece of the pie that's R7, and we're going to chuck out slices in a manner that's going to help them become the best that they can be and give them what they want. But sometimes I'm going to sneak in shit that they need that maybe they don't necessarily tell me. Like, oh, dude, I really want to, I really want to work on internal rotation to hit. Don't care. We're going to do that. It's going to make you better. Right. And once you explain it to them and show it to them, they buy in. Now you go to, for example, I'll get folks that are like, I do a ton of cardio. And so we're going to do less of that now. We're going to do strength <laughs> training. But they tell me I want to build lean muscle, do this, that, want to get leaner, whatever. And so, well, here's all these things that we can now add in here. They're going to help you do that. But I still like cardio. No worries. We'll still do cardio, right? But we're yeah. going to chop the pieces of the pies a little differently. So that that's the philosophy on that aspect. But really, there's kind of four people are good at remembering simple things, right? Yep. So to me, it's there's training, there's nutrition, there's recovery, there's mindset. Those are the four, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, and by the way, don't care who comes in, we're going to address those in some yeah. way or another. Now, sometimes the mi mindset is a tough one to, you can't go to somebody, oh, your mindset sucks, right? <laughs> as, as, a, as a coach, what you're doing is you're always putting in seeds and those yep. seeds should develop over time a different belief system and or break their current one, right? And then for an example, and I'll take somebody that struggled with weight loss and their story is always, my family was big and genetics and that's why it's genetics, right? Now, the, the reason why that's important is because a belief drives your behaviors. If, if me and Mike are having a conversation going, Mike, let's get really into math. And, and Mike, my family's never been good at math. I'm kind of <laughs> dumb with math. He's not gonna go study math because he believes he's not good at math. And he, he, he believes he can't get better at math. Like somebody is, hey, it's my genetics. I, I really can't get the same results as that person. Yep. Now, it might be more challenging, but they can. So yeah. it's like part of mindset is helping people restructure their beliefs. And, and folks will be like, what do you mean? Look, what is mindset? Mindset is actually just a series of beliefs. So all your beliefs put together are your mindset, right? Yep. And co great coaches, little by little, ask questions sometimes that help people, what I call trip over their own truth, figure shit out by themselves, which is more, I would say, ideal than you telling them, right? If you tell them, it doesn't work that much. So it's like you try to get them there, which I highly recommend, by the way, everybody go through motivational interviewing, which is a phenomenal book. It's obviously in social work, you have to go through it. You have to go through the courses. I've done, went through the book, went through the courses, went through the whole shebang. But if you want something more specific to fitness, there's a book called Motivational Interviewing and Nutrition and Fitness. Very applicable. Yeah. Everybody should buy it, right? Because it helps you talk to people in a more understanding way. By the way, there's a whole construct of how you go through this. Like it would take me, I mean, I could dive into this, but just get yeah. a book and look it up. But here's my point. If you take, because Motivational Interviewing was first created to help basically guide addictions, right? So if you're telling an addict, like, you're an addict, they're going to stand their ground and be like, what are you talking about? I'm not an addict, right? So you can't approach it that way. So there's a different way of communication you have to do. There's understanding and then there's questions and then you're looking for change talk, right? Where you'd be like, look, it's, I can't do more YouTube videos. I got kids. I got this, that, and the other. I say, hey, Mike, absolutely. Hey, you're going through, you got a crazy busy day, man. It's actually pretty incredible how you can achieve all the things that you do in such a busy day. And not doing more YouTube videos, I can completely understand that right now is not a good time for you to grow your business through YouTube. And then you go, but it's really something that I want to do. Boom. 
See that? So that's change yeah. talk, right? Yeah. But the thing is learning, by the way, we, we talked about skill sets and practice, right? I've got, I bought every workbook there is for motivational interviewing. And there's a lot of them, by the way. And I would fill it out. On the next day, I'd go and talk to a client. And I'd go through a specific kind of construct. And I'd practice that four or five, six times that day. And be like, oh, wow, that really did work. I got no pushback, right? Where before, it would be like, what you're doing is, and nobody wants yeah. to be told, right? What they're right. doing wrong, right? They want to be heard. They want to be understood. And then sometimes we're like, I completely understand if right now is not a good time for you to lose weight in the next two to three months. And then they go, yeah, it is a challenging time, but you know what? I feel like this is really important for me. Boom. And now we open the door. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. How do you see, right? And then we can go more into these coaching conversations. So right. that mindset piece, like it's not, by the way, I got nothing against that. I'm a person that will put stuff on the TV that's motivational and like hoorah. But it's not just who's going to carry the boats and the logs, right? Yeah. Like it's, there's a time and a place for that. There's a person for that. But you got to increase your coaching toolbox, right? Yeah. And that's literally the way that I look at it. T to this day, every day I'm studying shit because I want my coaching toolbox to be deeper and deeper so that when I find a weird screw to have to unscrew and screw, I got the tool that doesn't, and that, not yeah. the only thing that I have is a fucking hammer, and all I can do is, let's go. <laughs> and by the way, I do that a lot, and there's a time and a place for that. And it's one-on-one -on -one training versus semi-private training, which is small group training versus large group training have different approaches to even coaching. Yeah, right? for sure. And, and so it really is, by the way, and this is why I love this shit, right? Because I feel dumber than I've ever felt, and I know more than I've ever known. I know a lot of stuff that maybe I forgot more than people know. But I feel dumb and yeah. I want to continue to develop this craft. And when it's almost like disrespectful, at least to me, when people are like, oh, yeah, training, coaching, whatever. Right. There's so many levels to this shit. Yeah. And if you're incredible at it, man, it is you can help so many people in so many different ways. And that's what fires me up that as long as I've been doing this. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And that's what I love about like basketball. I probably, if I would have been phenomenal for a long time, I would have probably retired three to four, five years ago. And that's if I would have had an incredibly long career. There's a ceiling, there's injuries. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's a time. Most there's a shelf life. There's a shelf life, period. What's the shelf life to coaching? Tell me. Like there No, is I ask myself I, that all the time, dude. Correct. Like, to the day I, I don't die. Know. And, it, and it's, I, I, I hate, by the way, I hate this, right? People go, oh, what? So you're going to be 50 in your 50s and training people? Imagine asking that question to an accountant. I know. Oh, so you're in your 50s and like doing accounting? Dude, like <laughs> this, is, this is, I hope and wish that more and more people would take this vocation. I don't even want to say profession, vocation. as Because the thing is, if you take it seriously, don't take yourself seriously. That's one of my rules. But yeah, take coaching sure. very seriously. Like you can be phenomenal, help more people get so much purpose and meaning from this work, make really good money, right? Those days of you're not making good money. But again, you got to put in a work and like it, 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 we need more people like that. And, and again, that's what got me into it was I'm so fulfilled by what I do. And some, again, some of this, like gyms are like top three hardest businesses in the world, I think. Yeah. Um, restaurant, restaurants are definitely first, but like, there's days, man, I'm like, I need a week nap, but <laughs> but it's so fulfilling, man. I do get up every morning and I have gusto with what I do. And I, listen, I know that I veered off here a little bit, but 
it, it really is when, when, you know, when you look at those four buckets to keep it simple, you got to continue, I think, to dive deeper into learning skill sets to build your toolbox in each one of those buckets. Yep. And maybe, maybe you're very, this is how it was for me. I'm sure how it was for you. The first part of my life in, in, in a coaching career was like training. Like I will yes. uh, devour any and everything about training to the level of what this like insanity, right? Yep. And then it, then it was like, oh, nutrition, right? Then it became, then I started, uh, to be honest, like where I really started diving into the psychology of things was my own life. I went through, uh, I was a shithead. I went through a divorce. I did dumb things in my life. I burned things to the ground that were important to me. And it, I went into therapy. I went to wake up warrior program. I was like, why do people do stupid things? And, and I started studying that like obsessively. And it was the best thing. I mean, looking back for my, for coaching, like that very painful part of my life became really a catalyst to me becoming a much better coach, more empathetic, more understanding, more compassionate. And act, I started studying psychology and neurology. And again, like I was in therapy for personally for two years. I was in Wake Up Warrior program for four years. I did Byron Katie's work, by the way, not just like the book, the courses. I did Shadow Coach from Debbie Ford. I read everything. I went through all, I mean, I could go down the list of every single thing. I spent absurd amounts of money and time studying this stuff because I wanted to figure myself out, but in the process, actually figured out how to better coach people, yeah. right? And you just got to keep going down those buckets because maybe you know so much about training, but you're like, I'm not having the results that people aren't staying around. My retention's not great. I get great results with 20% of the people, but like 30 is okay, 50 don't get results. You might have to go into the bucket of mindset and nutrition yeah. or recovery, right? I mean, we, we've both been, I've been close friends, I mean, shit with you, like for 15 years with Joel for 14, 15 years. Yeah. So that's kind of been, I'm, I always say I'm very grateful to have been around and stand on the shoulder of giants. You spent 15 years with Joel, guess what? I'm really fucking good at conditioning. I can run his seminars because like I went through his course now four times online. I've yeah. you know, been live with him. I don't know how many times like, you know, we talk about this shit all day long. So uh, you got to figure out maybe, look, this will be a good analogy that I just figured out. But like we talked about R7 and filling buckets, right? Yep. I think that like, in training, especially if you've been a trainer for a certain period of time, you got to figure out which buckets you got to fill. Maybe your yeah. training knowledge bucket is, is really pretty damn full. I mean, not, not like you can't get better, but your nutrition bucket is empty. Your mindset yeah. bucket is like 20% full. And if you kind of filled those buckets up, you'd become a much, much more effective coach and a better coach for your clients. And, and that's always kind of like the challenge, right? Like for, for me, as I grow and I always try to say there's coaching and there's a business of coaching. And for, for me, like I also dove really deep into the business of coaching and I have four businesses and shit's hard and you gotta, <laughs> you can't, it's, you can't, you can be great at coaching, but if you don't understand the one-on-one -on -one of business operations, profit and loss, marketing, sales system, fulfillment, hiring, firing, leadership, you, you're, you're going to have a tough time. And so there, there's just always filling buckets. And like my life is kind of like, all right, Let's maintain these buckets. I'm going to dive deep in the next quarter and really get more out of this bucket. And also, by the way, be good. At, by the way, I'm not going to fill the physical therapy bucket. I'm going to refer. Absolutely. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fill the like back pain specialist doctor bucket. I'm going to refer. So uh, yep. also, I realized not the greatest at managing. I'm really good at leadership, but I'm not great at managing. Okay, who's going to help me there? So there's also this phase of your life where it's going to be like, who, not how. Yep. which is a short, cool little book from Dan Sullivan. And, and that's a 2024 is a lot of that for me. It's like, 
dive deeper into my genius, study more of the things I want to continue to be great at and let go of the shit that's not my genius and have who's that fill that bucket yeah. because they're way better than me at that thing. So a little rant there, man, but no, I, I feel it. like those things are important though. I love it. And, and this actually leads into a question that I really wanted to ask you because I think you and I are very similar in the sense that I describe us as synthesizers, right? Like neither one of us, I'm not Lee Taft, right? I'm not Joel Jameson. I'm not Bill Hartman. I don't think like those guys, but like you, we synthesize, right? I'm going to go learn 80 to 90% of this and this, and then I'm going to put it all together into my thing. So yes. talk to me about how you do that. How do you go from that stage of this is a weakness, right? I've identified, let's call it speed training. Speed training yep. is a weakness. I'm going to dive in, take everything. I'm going to make it my own. How do you do that? I'll, I'll actually give you, uh, and I didn't write this out, so I'm kind of going off the top of my head a little bit, but this process. So for example, let's say, which I have in the last kind of six months, I've dove a little bit deeper into this, right? And, and let's say I'm like, man, I'm good at this stuff, but I want to take this up a notch. Right? Yeah. And so I'm going to identify the people first that I'm like, who are the best people in this field oh, or that I want yep. to learn from? Yep. And it's okay. We got Altus. Okay. Bought that resource, went through it. Let me go through this again. Let me start. So then I'm like, let me put a note in that like one day a week, I'm going through Stu McMillan stuff. I'm going through Altus stuff. I'm going through Les Spellman stuff, JT Perform. So there's a bunch of guys that are like, I just like how they deliver information. I mean, obviously yeah, Altus sure. on speed training is like the best, right? But yeah, like for instance, Lee Taft and I, I got all Lee, Lee stuff. Actually, it, it's like some of the stuff is like going back through it. Some of it is like new stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Then when I study it, so because I have this blocked out. I'm going to study, by the way, if I can go to a live thing, I'm going to a live thing. Yes, absolutely. If, if it's, so I'm looking, which kind of, this is kind of like my cheat code. I call those people and bring them in. Like we brought Derek Hansen in, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, Derek is in Vancouver. So I talked to him a lot about speed stuff and, yeah. but uh, Hey Derek, can you come down here and do an event? Awesome. Great. We're trying to get Les in now too. Les Pelman in, but yeah. the, the point is hands-on is the best. So let me just frame that. Okay. Yeah. But I'm going to study that whether it's through, I think if you have enough understanding, you can learn through shorter stuff, YouTube, IG clips. I don't think it's the best, to be honest with you. But I yep. do feel like if you have a good principle-based understanding, you can learn stuff like that. Yeah. But I tend to go, go into a course, go into a thing. And then I start writing notes, right, on one, lessons, but two, application. So, for instance, acceleration drills, force production. And then I look at it like, okay, cool. Is this stuff that I can do? I, do we have a valve right now or a, a Hawkins dynamics? No, we don't. Okay. So this is out the window. So what are the things that I can, but I do have an output. Okay, cool. So we can measure. And then I will learn and take notes and do, this will be like two hours. Like I have to block out pretty deep. Yeah. Periods good of, chunks of study time. time. And then I'm first going to do it myself, right? I'm going in, yep. I'm doing the drills. I'm filming myself with the drills. I actually like to teach it before I even do it with clients because what it's doing is it's like really clearing it up for myself. Yep. Um, I always say that like content when done well is a great opportunity and filter for you to teach better. Yeah. If I'm like, Hey, cool. Give me a three minute video on this thing that you learn. Explain it in a simple way to a six year old. Boom. I got to practice that now. Right. Yeah. Write an article, write a mini IG blog post about it. Right. So I, or I'll shoot a podcast on it. So I'm going to, First of all, learn, then I'm going to synthesize what I learned, so organize it, then I'm going to teach it, and I'm going to do it myself. From there, I'm going to have a pretty good grasp on this stuff. 
I'm like, I've wrestled with it myself. Nobody else is around. Boom. Now it's okay. Tomorrow I got three NFL guys coming in. We're going to, we're not going to just do a full blown fucking acceleration team, you know, speed <laughs> training session and throw everything out the window. No, what we're going to do is we're going to take two to three drills concepts and we're going to do them after our dynamic warmups, like maybe in place of something or added on to what we're already going to do. Yep. Now I'm already coaching it. I'm getting my reps in. I'm getting feedback from it. Then I take that because this is, I love this idea is that like, I'm going to teach it to everybody. So now I do my small group. It's my Thursday, 6 PM small group. And it's like, Hey guys, listen, part of our dynamic warmups today, we're going to do some running drills, right? Just going to add two to three. I don't want to add too many and people feel like they can't do stuff. And, but guess what? Now I got, okay, we got, Anne. she's 72. Uh, Linda, 62. Okay, that person's had a bum knee. And now I got a class of 17. And guess what? I have to coach, right? And adjust for those folks yes. on this stuff that I learned. Now, of yep. course, I'm going to pick and choose. We're not going to go like, all right, guys, we're going to do running 40s, right? Like, I'm going to take some of the running drills. I might do some acceleration drills that I know nobody's going to get hurt. And now I'm coaching it. So by the end of the week, so if I'm studying this on Sunday, by the next Sunday, I'm going to get like probably a hundred reps in between yeah. myself, groups, semi-privates, some one-on-one elite athletes that I got. And I'm like rolling, right? But my understanding within that week is boom. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and again, and now it's, I'll keep stuff that's good. I'll keep it. By the way, there's plenty of times that I've did a thing in like a group setting or something. And I'm like, Nope. No, we're not, not going to use that again. Not it. It's, it's, I get how I'm like, Hey, I might use that in a one-on-one -on -one setting. I got way more time, way more breakdown. This is not going to work. And I take, this is another thing that Alan Cosgrove taught me a long time ago. I went about four years doing this. I don't do it every day now, but I would say like at the end of the day, write out like notes, reflect on the training. What went well? What didn't go well? What would you change? And I got like journals of, I mean, this stuff filled out. I had it for years and it got me to really, what it helped me do is really kind of create my philosophy and principles and understanding, right? Like I would hear stuff and then I try it with groups and be like, dude, this person's never trained groups because I know this does not work, yeah. uh, especially in this setting. And so now I, I still do the same thing. I just don't do it every day. But let's say if I'm diving into like acceleration or multi-directional speed, I'm now taking notes on that week. I'm like, this drill's great. This drill's great. I, I, I figured out an adjustment for this drill because a lot of people can't do it. So this is my regression or lateralization. And now it's, I'm very, like within a week, I'm pretty confident about applying some of these things now. Right. Yep. And here's what happens too. And this is important. There's a feedback loop to it, right? Competence, right? So again, going back to that self-determination theory, I'm better at the thing now. So I'm getting more fired up now. Yeah. Right? So now I might go, I might go like four or five, six Sundays in a row studying that. And two months later, I'm like, yo, I've like really improved and developed. Now, I think if you're a newbie, this is a little bit harder because you got to spend more time with it and wrestle with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I've done so much of it that now it's stacking on top of that knowledge is a little bit easier. But here's the thing. The process is the same. What I would say is you're just going to need a lot more reps. And by the way, have the power of this. I cannot say it enough. So for example, if me and you are in training and there's certain things that like you are, I feel like one of the top people in the world at, and I feel like I'm really good at it, but 
you're there with me and we're doing stuff. And I'm like, Mike, what'd you see? And you're coaching me through it. And I spend as much time with you. Imagine that feedback loop. Oh, we talked about Craig Weller's story. If you, if somebody doesn't check you, that's better than you, that's great, great at this thing, you might be doing it shitty for two months before they check you. And then you're like, oh my yeah. God, I got 2,000 reps in a crappy way. But right. if I'm with you a lot and you're like, you coach me up a bunch and you're like, yep, Luca, that's, the, that's excellent. That rep was excellent. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. While you're here, let's do a lot of this. Let's do a Absolutely. lot of this. Boom, my feedback loop now on like day one, that's why hands-on is so good. That's why in-person seminars are so good because now you're leaving with an excellent rep that you know that you can now go practice. And by the way, this could be sales, marketing. I don't give a shit. Like it's, it's, it's principle-based, right? Yep. And I, this is what I, the, the mistake that I see is like you took a course online, but you didn't even do a lot of reps, but you're like, and I hear this a lot. Oh yeah, I know. To know and not to do is not to know. And yeah. also, <clears throat> to know and not to do repetitively in an excellent manner is not to know, right? So that that's what the power of that lies. And that's why sometimes, and my, my brother Matei's been to all the Altus mentorships. I think he's done level, he just finished like level three. But, you know, he was there in Arizona for seven, eight days. And Stu's, Dan are looking at you. I, I've been to the, the their spot in Arizona before they moved to Atlanta with JB. We're hanging out with Stu a lot. And man, it's insane what they're doing. I mean, it, it's yeah. like looking and you do a little adjustment on the calcaneus. And he goes and he adjusts the calcaneus on the table and he's like back. I mean, these guys are seeing micro movements, right? Yeah. But th that's an extreme. But you know what? It When you're around, so when Tay went out there and he's, he was like, I thought I knew a lot about speed training. And then you're like, Jesus, holy shit. This is insane. <laughs> this is a yeah. whole other level. But that's the thing is, if you really want to be phenomenal at this stuff, that's what you got to do. Go yeah. immerse yourself around the best. And like the way your perspective on how you look at stuff is going to change. And because yeah. that's what I hate. I hate about when people are, are just like, oh, it's just rep counting and workouts. And duh. man, no. No. you got to go to the, to the highest levels and then that will melt your brain. It'll make you excited about if you love this stuff, it'll make you excited about what who you can become. Um, yes. Because I, I feel like we're a mix of like coaching. Look, every day I see people and we get an uh, opportunity and the honor of being able to help people get better every single damn day. And you kind of are a mix of an exercise scientist and a nutrition coach and guide and like a lifestyle person and like fucking yeah. Tony Robbins. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're doing it right. I mean, seriously, if you filmed me. Throughout the day, you'd be like, I don't know. This guy's telling a story. Somebody's crying. Holy shit. Was pastor <laughs> at church? But I feel like, look, our goal is to help people move forward, to move better, to feel better, to perform better, to be healthier. And, and, and we do that through different ways and different mechanisms. And you keep, again, building that toolbox. Build the toolbox of storytelling. Thankfully, I was, again, I've known Martin for, damn, like 18 years. I've traveled the world with him, doing presentations with him. TFW one for I don't know how many years and it's, man I got rubbed off to me I started learning how to storytell and, and writing out stories every day before I t t go to class and I have it on four by six card these are all parts of being a phenomenal coach and and it never ends and that's exciting yeah right that's absolutely. not like frustrating that's exciting like it's the infinite yeah. game Simon Sinek yes. man and so yeah man you get me fired up come on man <laughs> okay. Okay, I got one more. And I, I'm excited to hear your advice on this. So what I want, and I hate these questions, give me one exercise, one tip. But okay, young coach comes to you and they're like, Luca, you've been spitting fire for an hour now. 
I'm so fired up. I want to be great. Where do I start? What's one or two pieces of advice for the young coach getting started today, wants to be great? What do you tell them? Hmm. I mean, be around greatness, man. You hmm. have to be like the... Are you well, there's the live event not? thing, right? There's the live event thing. If you're oh, willing yeah. to go out of your comfort zone and be around people that are presenting to others, that alone right there is a huge step in the right direction. That, that but even like even more, like watch. Who's the, the best trainer in your area? Like a person that you could look at and go like, man, if I could be like him. Yeah. Go buy sessions. Mm. And yeah. Oh, I can only afford two. Get two. Yeah. Plus we'll get another two in another month or two months because you're getting it right? You're getting that greatness. You're getting that excellence. And by the way, there's a lot of great trainers and maybe one is like better technically. And another one's incredible with people. Be around them. Take notes. Again, do internships. Like it's so like, this has become, it's become harder. Look, I just, I'm just telling you the truth. We've both been in a game for a long time and yeah. there's less people willing to do work for free in internships. By yeah. the way, like I am, listen, I've gone into commercial real estate. I own this building that I'm in, right? Like I was doing free work, learning how to do commercial real estate from people that were a thousand times better than me. Yeah. Right? But I was established and successful. Does that make sense? Like today, if, if the best guy in Seattle calls me up and they're like a multi-billionaire commercial real estate mogul and they go, Luca, I need 15 to 20 hours a week from you for free. I'll teach you everything I know. Dude, before he finishes the sentence, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Right? And you might right. be like, where are you going to find the time? Fucking, I'll find the time because guess what? I believe I'm stealing from him. You understand? Like, yeah, absolutely. This is, if you ever heard that Charlie Munger story, there was Charlie Munger went to a mentor and he said, look, I'll work for you for free. And initially his mentor said, you know what he said? He said, sorry, that's too expensive. And people were like, hold up. What do you mean? Because he said, me walking around with you and telling all this stuff, it's not free. It's taking my time and that's too expensive. Mm. Now, Charlie Munger continued to, to, to bug him and actually ended up becoming working for him and being his mentor and, and kept uh, teaching him a lot. But I'm saying this to, for every youngin that's, that's listening to this show or when I say youngin, it doesn't matter. If you're in the first two, three, four, five years of your career, to be honest with you, any point in time in your career, if you want to get better, to have this idea of, man, I'd never work for free. It's not, you're actually receiving so much, like you're receiving the thing that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. No one. So if I learn that example of, from the guy that's the best in commercial real estate and I go 20 hours per week for free. So a thousand hours in a year, right? 50 weeks in a year. And for anybody to not really see that they're like, oh my God, like you worked all that time for free is no, that person gave me billions of dollars worth of knowledge. Now it's up to me to do something with it. But For the sure. reality is that is a game changer. You understand? And so maybe, again, how much time do you have? I don't know. But my, my point being, maybe it's an hour a day. Maybe it's two per day. Maybe it's five per week, one day. Like immerse yourself around greatness because it does. We are so like we're tribal people. We will adhere to the standards of the tribe. Change your tribe if you need to, meaning get around people yeah. that you want inspired to be like because you'll see how they operate. And that, by the way, nobody has to tell you, right? Like we're talking about motivation interview. When you get around people and then you go, damn, this that's how one. they operate. That's how they operate. This is how I operate. Yeah. Boom, light bulb. And that's why yep. I tell people, I'm like, look, like 
you want to see like how what it takes be around me because but get up with me and see hey i'm gonna from 7 a.m sometimes i might go to 11 a.m straight now yeah. it might be like hey i'm gonna get my own training session in two calls one podcast write articles put up the ads coach two hours then do this then coach another three hours then come home then write another art like now the thing is maybe that's not what you want but I'm just trying to say that the thing that you want, really immerse yourself to see what the people do because that's reality and you'll understand and you'll really kind of get that knowledge by being around, right? That's why like, I'll finish on this note. Mr. Beast had a great, the guy's obviously genius and phenomenal. Absolutely. And they asked him, they said, how do you like, man, how did you grow the business? Cause you have all these people working for you. And again, this is an extreme, but imagine dialing this down a little bit or He's, I replicate myself. And the guy was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you replicate yourself? I pick a person, they apply, and they just come and live with me. And then they just follow me everywhere, and they do everything that I do in the thing that I then want them to do so I don't do it anymore. Wow. Yeah, and that's like, brilliant. Oh, my gosh. And he's, what do you mean? Like, no, like they just <laughs> live with me. They live with me, and it's, okay, I do the thing. And it's, you see how I'm doing the thing? And then you go, I'm going to keep showing you for the months and months and months and months. Yeah. And th then they go. And then they do that thing with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, Brilliant. You, you can't show up. You can't show up and go, hey, yo, can you show me a quick tutorial on ScreenFlow? <laughs> no, dude. I need you to live with me for three months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and again, I'm saying this as an extreme. I know that's not always possible, but I want you to take that perspective and the principle, right? Like when we talked about speed training, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to go to the event. I'm going to watch everything. I'm going to watch the videos. I'm going to try to spend time with them. I'm going to pay them if I possibly can to take me through the sessions. Yes. And then yes. I'm going to start doing it myself. And then I'm going to start applying it to others. And I'm going to do a fuck ton of it. I'm going to do so much of it that I'm like, okay, now I'm really good at this shit. Right? Yep. And I could tell you, by the way, whether we talk, we could go completely lateral and go like, all right, YouTube, go. Three, two, one, let's go. No, I know. Because, again, I watch some of the stuff with, there's levels to this, right? Yep. If Mr. Beast watched our YouTube videos, he would give us 1,012 different modifications of what we're doing wrong. Yeah, after he stopped and, laughing at us. Correct. <laughs> and, and that's not even that's not even kind of like a hit. What it says is that, look, there's levels to this. I'm Absolutely. not the person to tell you which level you want to get to, but please don't be like, I want to be the most exceptional, highest level person, and income as well, in, in the industry. But then it's, this is what it takes, and this is the behaviors that you're applying. Because you got to bring your behaviors up here. And the only way to know that is to be around that a lot so that you get the reality check of what it is. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. No. Here's what it does ultimately, too. It helps you really figure out, is that really what I want? Correct. You know what I mean? It's one thing Correct. to say, oh, I want this, but I'm only willing to do this. Yo, those Correct. are not the two... Those are not the same thing. So if you want to do this, go see what other people are doing. Watch them do it. Do it yourself. And if you can sustain, that's the other piece, right? One thing to do what Luca does for a day or two. Can you do what Luca does for 52 weeks times 20-some years? That's a different level, too. So I, mean, I actually, love that, Hormozzi had a tagline. He was just like, look, find a person that you want to be like and just understand that being like them means a lot of different things, right? But it's then do what they did for 10 years. Exactly what they did. Yeah, I know. I know. 10, right? Yeah. 10, 10, right? Yeah. Now, again, these are hopefully these taglines are just telling you a story because I agree. Like, I don't judge anybody for whatever they want to do. Yeah. Just get clear because I think it's great. I think if you go do something for two years and you give it your best and you're like, man, I don't want to do this. 
Great. That's Great. clarity. Awesome. You'll, yeah. And I guarantee you, you'll get clear on what you do want to do. But, you know, there, you, you, I do think that, like, we live in a world where we actually have more um, resources than we've ever had. Right. Because yeah. now you can go on a, do a live Zoom event. You can do a course. You can watch stuff online for free. I mean, me and Mike are putting out podcasts and, and YouTube videos. I mean, it costs a lot of time and money to do all this stuff. And it's here you go. Like I'm going to put up four or five new YouTube videos and 12 different shorts every week. Yeah. Right? A podcast yeah. every week of articles, this, that, the other. So it's, man, you, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. But it's going to take your time, your energy, your dedication. And you just have to, you just have to be clear on what it takes and then decide if that's what you want. Because Mogul Das said it. What is unhappiness? It's like when your reality falls short of expectations. One is happiness. When your reality is exceeds ex- expectations, so one of his recommendations is, <laughs> is don't have too many expectations. But but I think when it comes to career, I I do feel like that there's uh, maybe you don't call them expectations, but you just call them performance markers or just like when you have to complete a class, it's like these are the requirements. Requirements yeah. is probably the best word, right? You want to become a phenomenal coach. You're not going to do it by training people the first five years of your career for ten hours to fifteen hours per week. Absolutely. Requirements are much higher. That's just the reality. So know the requirements for what is it is that you want to achieve. Find the people that are the best in the world in that space. Follow them. Invest in them. Be around them physically, ideally. Get their courses and then study them obsessively and then get insane amounts of practice reps with quality feedback loops in. And voila, you just bake the best bread right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dude, this is amazing. Thank you so much for your time, brother. I know you got stuff going on today. Where can my people find out more about you and all the great work you're doing? I think three, three kind of three, four main spots. I'll just drop those. Instagram, yep. I, I share a lot of stuff there that leads to everywhere. That's at Luca Hosevar, L-U-K-A-H-O-C-E-V-A-R. YouTube, same thing. You type in Luca Hosevar, my, my channel comes up. There's 1,700 something videos. If you want about eight years of watching stuff uh, <laughs> nonstop and I keep adding shit. And then I have a podcast called The Vigor Life Podcast. It's pretty heavily oriented towards coaches. And my courses and workshops and stuff are on lucaholsavar.com. And so that's I also got some training programs on there that we're launching now. Uh, so those are kind of like the main hubs. There's probably more I forgot, but I'll keep it short. I think everybody can find the stuff based off of those. And we'll make sure we get all the links in the show notes so it's easily accessible. You can find Luca. I mean, literally, just Google Luca Hosavar you'll find stuff. My guy, again, thank you so much for coming on, brother. This was amazing. My pleasure, brother. Always an honor, man. All right, my friends, that does it for this week's episode with Luca. Really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, man, I love talking with this guy. I always walk away feeling motivated, feeling energized, and I really want in my next couple months or years, depending on how long it takes, to really flesh out some of these stories with people that I've been around for a long time, people that I know really well, but really get to the heart of why are they coaches? Why did they get into this space? What continues to motivate them? How do they go about learning new things? How do they step into new situations? So Luca, I knew would be a great guest to kind of experiment with this on. You know, the man can talk in the best possible way. He's got a story for everything or an anecdote, and I love that about him. I think it makes for a great show. You not only learn a thing or two, but you're entertained the entire time. So if you enjoyed this show, 
please do me a small favor. Share this episode with somebody that you know that would benefit from it, whether it's on social media, um, just telling them about the show, whatever it takes. I'm trying to really grow this show from the ground up. I want people that want to be great trainers, great coaches. So that's my job every week is to find people that are going to make you better. I know Luca did that. So if you enjoyed the show, please share it with somebody that you think would benefit from it as well. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.